have your Bibles, you want to be finding Joshua chapter number one. Joshua chapter number one. You have those handy. You know, um, last night we we sat down and watched the movie Courageous. Uh, my favorite of all those movies that they made was probably Fireproof, but I like Courageous too, and I like the opening scene where the gentleman is pumping gas and a guy comes to steal his his nice truck, and the the, the thief takes off with the truck, and the gentleman runs and jumps onto the side and holds on, and he's he's fighting this guy, and eventually the guy runs into a ditch and hits a tree, and and, the, and the, the person who's never seen the movie is going, man, he could have died. He should have just let him have that truck. And then as the scene unfolds, it reveals that his, his daughter was there in the, in the back seat, in the child seat, locked into the child seat. It wasn't the truck. It was his child. And it's easy to find courage when the stakes are really high. But sometimes it's difficult to find courage when we're not even sure what we're fighting for. No matter is it worth it. We don't even know what we're fighting for. I love the book of Joshua. I love the character Joshua in Scripture. And what happens is we see a man who has a twofold task that each task in and of itself would be more than any man could bear, both together makes him need a miracle and what do we find him doing he's scared how do i know he's scared because several times in just a few verses god keeps saying don't be scared don't be scared don't be scared that's how you know he's scared god is speaking right into his problem and i believe right now tonight all across our land there are people with a myriad of emotion some of you need god to speak to your heart and say don't be frightened some of you need god to speak to your heart and say don't be selfish. Some of you need God to speak to your heart and say, don't be apathetic. The thing is, God meets you right where you are so he can speak to who you are and bring you to the place where he is. So he can bring you into agreement. And what I love about this passage is what I love about this sermon in the middle of a crisis is that I believe that there's something here for all of us. And I believe Joshua just typifies the human weakness that needs to meet the godly strength. If you have your Bibles, look at Joshua chapter number 1, beginning at verse 1, and I'll read through verse number 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am given to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you 
or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success, good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open your word. May it be, God, that we do not deal with this simply as a matter of literature, but that we deal with this as the oracles of God. That where we see our common failings as people that are as old as people are sinful, we may also see the common goodness of God that is forever and shall be forever. You changeth not, God. And though we're not crossing a Red Sea, we are facing things we've never faced before. And though we aren't a people going to possess a land, we are a people going to possess a kingdom. And Father, in these fretful days, it's hard for us to imagine how any of this can be done. So be thou our vision. Lead us all the way. Through whatever we're feeling or thinking, lead us all the way to every promise you have given your church. In Jesus I pray. Amen and amen. Now, if you'll notice something right away, he promises him never leave him or forsake him. And if you connect that to that moment where Jesus hands down what we call the Great Commission, I hope you've connected that. I, I pray you see that every time God puts his people on mission, God says, I'm not going anywhere. You stick with me. I'm on this mission. I'm not gonna, if you stay on this mission, I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. I pray that that begins to give you some direction for where you'll find courage in fearful times. Get on track with what God has commanded. And God says, I'll be right there in the middle of it with you. Today I have four things I want to share with you. I'll do my best to make it brief. I should get some cookies. I've been being brief lately. I should. I'm storing up. Gold star. Gold star. I'm storing up for when we're back in the house. Don't worry. I want to share with you guys four things. But first we've got to set the context. We have to understand first that this is remission in the face of failed obedience. This is remission in the face of failed obedience. Let me put that in context of scripture and let me also put it in context of who we are, where we are right now. If you know the story, and you know the story, but if you know the story well, you'll remember that God has, God has called out a people through Abram. He's raised up a people through Abram's offspring, Abram, Isaac, Jacob, uh, Jacob's offspring, and they, they go off and Joseph goes into Egypt people come into Egypt, the people flourish, come under slavery. God has to set them free. He sets them free. He miraculously rescues them from Pharaoh's army. They're out here in this middle zone between slavery and freedom. And uh, they do what I think is a sensible thing. They say, hey, let's, let's, let's get together some representatives and have them go sneak around and spy out the land and come back and give us a report. So those spies go and do that. They come back and Everybody except two guys has the same answer. They go, man, that land is full of giants. It is full of difficulty. And if we go take hold of this thing God has promised us, it is going to be so hard. 
They get down to Joshua and Caleb. They go, yeah, that's right. It's going to be hard. There's giants. There's, there's difficult things over there. But, okay, whatever is over there, God has already said, it's yours. So let's just go with God in the face of this trouble. And uh, you know the story. They have an election. It just goes to show you voting ain't always a smart thing, and the majority is not always right. They have an election, and everybody but two people decide to not go. And here's a newsflash. Moses goes with the majority. Moses is wrong. He doesn't obey God. And whenever we're not obeying God, we're missing out on the promise and the power of God. And so right there, that moment, God says, you know what? None of you guys over 20 will ever see the promised land. Now, most everybody's got their window down. If you're over 20, raise your hand. Stick your hand out the window so I can see it. If you're over 20, now everybody take a look around. Keep your hand out the window. Take a look around, okay? Casey's holding up a two, okay? I guess he's 40 now. Good job, Casey. I'm just kidding. Right, look at this. So if we were these people, guess what? We are dead. How many of y'all got your hands up at home? I know Carebose has her hand up. She loves it when I remind her age. We're done. Isn't that something? He says, okay, so you guys don't, you guys don't want to go with me. You, you guys want to say that the circumstances I've called you to are stronger than the God who called you to face the circumstances. Okay, cool. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to miraculously sustain you. And what I'm going to do as I miraculously sustain you is I'm going to prepare these generations behind you to take up this call. And the rest of y'all will never see the promised land. Only two guys who were over the age of 20 at that time ever see the promised land. And Moses isn't one of them. God actually lets Moses go up on the mountaintop and see it. He's like, there it is over yonder. And so now we're at this moment where Moses has died. And this just gets left out of his story a lot of times. Moses has been locked out of the promise because Moses let circumstances and public opinion stop him from obeying God. Wow. Do not raise your hand. But how many of us have been in a situation where we have let circumstances and public opinion keep us from standing with God? We've all been in this position. We've had times where fretfulness, where fear, where the lack of courage has kept us locked into the place of disobedience. And God says, okay, Moses, you're with the crowd that's not going. Joshua, Caleb, you guys go. By this time, we know from other places in Scripture, they're 80 years old. I love it. Five years after this point, five years later, Caleb has still got a lot of fight in him. He says, hey, I want that stuff God promised me. I'm just as strong now as I ever was because his strength was never his. It was in the Lord. When he was 40, God was his strength. When he was 85, God was his strength. He was, he was just ready to roll. So we get down to this point where Moses is dead. The mantle of leadership is handed over to Joshua. And the mission is still the same. The promise is still the same. And God is still the same. Now that's the historical context. Let me give you our context. Here we are, church. Here we are. Somebody say to your neighbor, here we are. And things are strange. But I contend that God has not lifted one iota the command to pursue his mission. He has not changed it, and he has not given, given us permission to shrink back from it. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Now, the question you must answer individually and as households, and the question we must answer as a local church is, will we press on, not, not pretending like we're not afraid, not pretending like we're not uncertain, will we press on with God in spite of how we feel? Will we let God give us courage even as we're frightened? I'm not telling anybody. I, I can see some of your faces. Some of y'all can't see your faces. I'll pick on Michael. Michael, I'm not telling you one moment. Don't be scared of things you ought to be scared of. Right? Amen? Patricia, I'm not telling you don't be afraid. Amen? Katie, I'm not telling you don't be anxious. I'm saying walk with God in spite of how afraid or anxious or concerned you are. Do what's right. Pursue the mission. And we've got to start answering that question because things, this is a 9-11 moment for us. Things are going to change out of this. I know we're going to allow things to change to the degree that we become locked into our feelings, locked into our safety, locked into self-preservation. Or will we say, God, in spite of how I feel, I will pursue this calling. I would like to dedicate this long introduction to Kelly Call. Four things. <laughs> Four things. Four things. Number one, and I'll try to go as quickly as possible. Four things. Number one, to have real courage, we need a worthy mission. To have real courage, we need a worthy mission. Good news. Good news. We have one. There are men and women and boys and girls who have surrendered their lives to Jesus but are still feasting unashamedly on milk. And God has said to his church, raise them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. We still have the calling to make disciples. Amen. There are men and women and boys and girls who are lost and undone. And God still has given the mission of the gospel to the church. That's the contemporary message. What is the historical context? You go back and you look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and he tells me, he says, listen, I want you to go do everything I already had told Moses to do. Pick up the same mission. In other words, God wasn't changing what he had told him to do. He says, I want you to pick up where Moses left off, except Moses had left off 40 years before. Amen. And I want to tell you something. If East Rock Community Church lets go of the mission of God, you know what God will do? God will just let us sit and rot like soft wood, and he'll raise up a fresh branch. Say so you heard it here first. It will not burden him one moment to pluck our candle from its lampstand and raise up somebody brand new. I don't want the mission that God has raised up East Rock Community Church to do to go withering on the vine. I want to see us flourish, and I want to see us flourish in the face of pandemic. I don't want to see us wither away in the face of pandemic. In Joshua's day, Moses and the people's hearts melted for fear of the people that were in the land that God had promised them they would possess. And when it becomes Joshua's turn to lead, the mission is still there, and Joshua is afraid. How do I know? You look at the negative, he says, don't be scared. Look at the positive, have courage. 
have courage. You know, this is a very trying time for, for us. Michaela, you remember the conversation we were having just a few moments ago. Times like this really reveal things about us. All of us. Me too. All of us. I'm not saying just y'all. I'm saying me too. We get to find out what's in us. When I first went to Southeastern College and they had orientation in the chapel, they told us they were going to treat us like a tube of toothpaste. They were going to exert pressure on us and find out what was inside of us. These times of crisis show us what's in ourselves. If you remember Moses' episode at the Red Sea, they were at the Red Sea, the Egyptian army was pressing in on them. Does anybody remember what the people said? They said, oh boy, let's go back to Egypt. <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't good, y'all. What's God have to do? God has to open up a way for them. He has to open up a way that is greater than their fear so that they can overcome their desire to return back to when things were easy. Easy by comparison. See, a lot of believers leave Egypt, but they never enter Canaan. They live their lives in fretfulness, and what God calls us to is to live our lives on mission, believing him for what he's called his people to do. And if you want to strike back at your fear, if you want to have courage, have a mission that is worthy of your courage. I go back to my opening illustration. The man is desperate clinging to that truck because, not because of the truck. Not because of the truck. It's because of the daughter. There are some things, somebody, somebody needs to get wound up at this. Go ahead and Thump yourself in the ear. Somebody needs to hear this. You ready? There are some things more precious than your life. Did you know that? There are some things more precious than your life. Any of you parents, if something happened to one of your kids right now, you'd have no problem. You would say, I would rather it be me, wouldn't you, parents? You would, I'd rather this be me. Every single one of us. I, I contend, I contend that what God has called his people to do is greater than our fears. Our contend is greater than our lives. Secondly, pursuing God's mission guarantees us God's presence, and God's presence grants us courage when we need it. That's a long point. Just write this down. Pursuing God's mission guarantees us God's presence. Amen. Pursuing God's mission guarantees us God's presence. Go back and look at verse 5. I think 5 and 9 go together. But look at verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. The common denominator is not the strength of the man. The common denominator is the strength of the God that stands with the man. We sing that song. Well, we sing any song. I'm not being a, what's that saying, like a Debbie Downer? You know what I mean? I'm not being, we sing a song and sometimes I want to do we believe what we sing. You know what I mean? Do we really believe what we're singing? I, 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 I sometimes stop and just ask myself, do I mean what I'm singing? And if I don't mean it, I stop singing. I want to mean what I'm singing. I like that song we sing, but sometimes I question, do I mean it? Better is one day in your, what? Courts than what? A thousand elsewhere. We sing that song, but do we believe it? Is it better to be with God one day than have a thousand days of doing whatever else we want to do? That's a challenging question. What does God tell Joshua in the day of his fear? He says, I'll be with you. 
I cannot guarantee you that when you see what's out in front of you, that you won't be afraid. He doesn't say he will dismiss his fear. He says he will be with him in the face of his fear. He will be the reason for your courage. I jumped out of my first airplane when I was 18 years old. At 18 years old, if you'd have said, Tim, does jumping out of an airplane scare you? Anybody want to guess what I'd say? I said, nope. At 19, if you'd ask me jumping out, yep, nope, not scared. 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, by then I'd stop jumping out of airplanes. It probably wasn't until I was 45 years old that I came clean. Tim, does jumping out of airplanes scare you? Every time. Every single time. <laughs> Why wouldn't I confess it, pride? Macho-ness. Just being honest. I was scared every time. Do you know I find at, I'm, I'm hard on 49. I'm working hard on it. At 49, I find a lot of times that to do, get up and do what God calls me to do, to be who God calls me to be, to pursue the mission that God has left his people to pursue, I'm still afraid. It still feels like I'm jumping. But the presence of fear is not an excuse for inaction. The presence of fear coupled with the presence of God creates the recipe for courage. And if God calls you to it, God will walk with you in it. Thirdly, I think not only do we have to do what God calls us to do, I think we have to have focused obedience. And I think focused obedience grants courage. I keep going back to my opening illustration because I think it's so poignant. Why did that guy cling to that truck in the opening scene of that movie? He was focused on one thing, making sure his daughter was safe, that this guy didn't steal this car, dump this kid. He wasn't really even focused on the truck. The only reason he clung to the truck is because the truck had the girl. If you look back at verse 6 and 7, what it says is, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause these people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous. And he goes on to tell them, says, do according to all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it. Don't turn to the right hand. Don't turn to the left. This is what's going to give you success. Stick on the plan of God. Stick with God. There's three things that I know 100% that this pandemic has not robbed you of the ability to do. You ready for them? Number one, this pandemic has not robbed you of the op ability nor the opportunity to be a personal worshiper. Somebody say amen. You have to choose this day to serve the Lord. You have to choose this day to be a worshiper. To praise God for what he's done, to worship God for who he is, to count your blessings, to offer up the, the, the worship of, of gratitude. You can still be a personal worshiper. Nothing has robbed you of that. You know, people talk about taking prayer out of schools. They've taken it off the loudspeakers, but they haven't taken it out of schools. As long as a Christian will obey God, they can pray in a school. You sit in your desk and you pray. This pandemic cannot take our ability to be personal worshipers away. Secondly, it has not taken away your call to be a servant. Some of you guys are serving your families in ways you haven't in a long time. We're just too busy, and we're learning how to serve our families again. Sometimes serving people means humbling yourself and tolerating them. And, and, it hasn't, and it has not, it has not robbed you of the ability or the opportunity to make disciples. 
We may be getting creative. You may be texting more than you've ever texted. You may be calling. You may be talking on social media or FaceTiming. You may be talking to your neighbor some feet away by standing in the grass. You may be taking walks at the park and not touching each other. But your opportunity to share the gospel and to encourage and upbuild other believers is still just as active as ever. Your ability to follow the word of God for the people of God has not been robbed of you. And if you want to strike back at your emotions, get busy obeying the Lord. Fourthly and finally. Fourthly and finally. Your courage, your courage, your personal courage is directly linked to your relationship with God and particularly with God's word. If you go back and read verses 7 and 8, which we won't because I see time is so fleeting. I've gone longer than I intended. I'm not sorry. He says, don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it and do it. Do you see that? Don't let it depart from your mouth. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people want to be preachers. They want to tell somebody something. Amen. Some people are what I call uh, what I call uh, mean preachers. I'm gonna tell so and so such and such. But some people want to be gospel preachers. You know how you excel at gospel preaching? You learn to preach to your own soul. Did you know that church? You got to have God's word on your mouth. You got to have God's word in your mind. You got to learn to preach God's word to your heart. You got to learn to preach God's word to your hands. You got to set your mind on things above. You got to tell yourself what to love and have affections for. And you've got to decide what to do with your, with your time. That's exactly the way God causes Joshua to face his fear. He says, have the word in your mouth. Have the word on your mind and do it. Do it. You've heard me say it before. I say it again. I, I, I just say it as a way to encourage my own heart. I don't think I can actually do this, but it encourages me. I say, I want to get up in the morning and be so intent on doing the work of God that when I get up, the devil says, oh, no, he's up again. I want the kingdom of darkness to know there's at least a reflector that has been uncovered the moment my feet hit the floor. I'm not the source of light, but I want to reflect it. You know, I was thinking this week, if some of you guys have been having to work at home, you, you know, sometimes what you got to do is you got to create a little home workbook, rule book. And your rule book might look like this. Get up at the same time, do my devotions or whatever you do, get ready, put on my clothes, fix my hair. Andrew, you be sure to put on your makeup. Whatever y'all do in the morning. And get yourself ready to be effective. It's the same way in your spiritual life. If you're intentional about getting ready and intentional about going to do it, then you're more likely to do it. So what's he tell Joshua? Joshua, the task is still before you. I know you're afraid. So here's what I want you to do. Talk about it, think about it, and do it. Talk about it, think about it, do it. Talk about it, think about it, and do it. I don't want to see the people of God, especially the flock I've been given to partner with God on. I don't want to see you guys carried away by your emotions, and I don't want to see you living in neutral. I want to see you living the victorious Christian life that God has called you to live, and the way we do that is to embrace the mission, abide with the master, obey the word, and remember that this relationship with him and what he says 
is what should direct our thinking, feeling, and doing. So my challenge to you guys is to do the opposite of shrinking back. Yes, you've got to be creative. You can't do everything like you was doing it six weeks ago. You've got to ask, but God's creator and he's creative. Ask God, how does it look to obey you today? What does it look like to minister to my family today? What does it look like to be the church on the move today? And how do you cure all your emotions that are raging because of the unusual circumstances we are facing? You do this. You do this simple thing. Remember your mission, and it's worth the struggle. Remember your master, and he's able to hold you. Remember, remember, my friend. Remember that you don't come up with what you ought to think and feel and do. You get back to the book and do everything the way he said to do it. And I guarantee you that in this fellowship, in this pursuit of purpose, and in this striving for obedience, your emotions will take a back seat to courage. I'm not saying you won't have them. I'm saying courage will unseat their control. Father, thank you for time in your word. Thank you for time with your people. Father, more than just saying we endured a sermon, implant your word in our heart. Embolden us in the things of God while humbling us before God himself. Let us be a people caught in that blessed tension where we know who has hold to us, we know whose hand is upon us, and we know what you have commanded us to do, and we walk humbly with you and boldly in this world. God, I pray you minister to East Rock Community Church and cause our emotions to take a backseat to courage. In Jesus I pray, amen.